0: Hey, we're in a great section of scripture this morning. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 21. And look it up right now in your Bibles, and we're going to just dig in this section of Scripture. It's an awesome section of Scripture on love. Love. Let me say that again. Love. Love. And we're going to learn some great things about love this morning. You know what? Jesus was asked one time, they were trying to trap him again, but they're asking, you know, of the 500-plus commandments all throughout the Old Testament scriptures. They're saying, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? What's the most important thing you could do, Jesus? What, what, is it the Sabbath laws? Is it, what, what is the most important thing as people of God that we can do? Matthew 22, 37 to 40. Remember Jesus' answer? He said, simple, love. Love God with all your heart. This is Matthew 22. 37 and 40, love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. This is what? The first and foremost of all the commandments, and the second is like it. You shall what? Love. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Very simple. You want to do what God wants you to do? Love. Love God and love people. That's it. It's all wrapped up in that. You know, we, we're doing the Ten Commandments on Wednesday nights right now, Exodus chapter 20. And it's really interesting because Mike started that whole section in Exodus 20 last Wednesday night. And, and it, it's very simple. The first four of the Ten Commandments, and I believe on the two tablets, there was the first four on one side and the next six on the other side. The first four is all just about loving God. Have no other gods before me. Don't worship vain idols. Don't use his name in vain, Right? Uh, keep the Sabbath day, rest and worship Him. That's all about loving God. And then the next six commandments it's all about loving people. You know, honor your father and mother. Don't commit adultery on your spouse. Uh, don't lie. Don't covet. Those are all things that involve loving other people. So it's very simple. If you want to do what God wants you to do, love Him with everything you got and then love people. Love people. Love people. So, let's look at our scripture this morning. I'm going to give you five truths about love from this. One of the, I think this, literally, I think this is one of the most important sections of scripture in the whole Bible about love. I think this scripture this morning, along with 1 Corinthians 13, which describes God's love, love is patient, love is kind, and gives us the whole description of love, 1 Corinthians 13. But now in 1 John 4, 7 to 21, we're told truths about love. That John, the best friend of Jesus, I believe, is going to impart some truth to, to us this morning about love. So put, put, put your spiritual ears on. The Spirit wants to speak to each one of us, me included, this morning about being more loving people and how we can do that this morning. So first, John chapter 4, verse 7, if you're there, say amen. Here we go. Great section of Scripture. Again, one of the most important sections of Scriptures, I believe, in the whole Bible about love. Verse 7. Beloved... Let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not what? For God is love. Man, if you if, if have anything underlined in your Bible, that's two verses you should have underlined. And it's interesting because... When I was a young Christian again, it's, it seems like uh, Calvary Chapel had these Maranatha songs, and the, a, a, a number of them were right from this epistle of 1 John. And I don't know if you remember that. I'm dating myself again. Let's go back to the, to the 70s. But it's, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who is born of God and knoweth God. Beloved, let us love one another, First John 4, 7, and 8. We used to sing that as new Christians. And it's it was great because it helped him memorize the scripture as he sung the scripture too. But the, I want you to see something here. I'm going to give you five truths about love. The first truth about love from these verses is the essence of who God is is love. Look at the very last verse, part of the verse we just read. God is love. His very core of who He is is love. Now I believe He's also holy. Because we know the angels in the book of Revelation are around the throne of God. The myriads and myriads of angels are around the throne of God. And what are they singing? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So God is holy. The essence of God is holiness, but also the essence of God. Two times in the scripture are reading this morning, God, he says it very clearly. God is love. Its very essence is love. And the word there is an interesting word. It's not Love, eros, love, which is a physical, romantic love. It's not filial love, which is a family affection or friendship love. It's an agape love, and agape love is this: it's an unconditional, sacrificial, no strings attached love. It's the word that's used in John three sixteen. For God so agape the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but has what eternal life. It's the kind of love that God has for us and now we're to have for one another which is a sacrificial, unconditional, divine love. God is love. And it's interesting, in the beginning of these two verses it says this, same word. It says beloved. Interesting, John uses this word beloved for Christians six times in the five chapters of 1 John. He says over and over again, beloved, 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 beloved. That's who we are. Just three times in this chapter, he calls Christians beloved, and I, I love that because he's addressing Christians and saying, hey, Christians, you need to understand, you're loved by God. Remains, reminds me of Jay Vernon McGee. I don't know if you ever listened to Jay Vernon McGee, but he's got, he, he pastored a church actually, open, Church of Open Door in Los Angeles, but he had this southern accent. You know, he's, st- he's still to this day, he's been dead 20 plus years, and he's still on the radio, but he starts out his radio program, beloved. And he addresses Christians all the time, beloved. He got that from the Apostle John. That's who we are. We're God's beloved. We're beloved by God. And because we're beloved by God, it says if you're really born of God, and you really know God, the word there, know, in the Greek is gnosos, which means if you have an intimate, experiential knowledge of God, you're going to love. Because God is what? Love essence of who God is, is love. And it's interesting, he says, hey, and if you say you know God and you have an intimate experiential knowledge of God and you're one of his beloved experiencing his love, but you don't love, that's a contradiction in turn, right? Because the one who does not love does not know God. Because why? God is love. You want an oxymoron? Oxymoron. Mean Christian. Angry, bitter, non-loving Christian. Shouldn't go together. Because God is love. Just a part of being born of God and knowing God. Remember when I first got saved? 1978, February. Lost, rebellious, angry in some ways, teenager. Teenager messed up family. Oh man, I talk about dysfunctional. I, I was I was our family was dysfunctional. Alcoholism, all kinds of marriage issues, everything else. And I was in that world. I was not a happy person. I wasn't always happy back then. <laughs> and I came to faith in Christ. My whole world revolved around just me when i came to christ i was selfish i was sinful i was just about me i came to christ born again radically born again it was awesome best decision i ever made in come to christ and i remember about 6 months after i came to christ i kind of did some self examination i was looking at my life how's my life changed since i came to christ and i realized the main way my life changed was not only was i just just going the wrong way before I'm now going the right way. I'm going God's way. But one of the main ways my life changed when I came to Christ, and I was born again and I came to know God. It's my whole worldview changed. It wasn't about me anymore. It's about Jesus. It wasn't about just doing my selfish, sinful desires. It was about living for Jesus, and it was also about caring about people. I remember about six months into coming to know God and being born of God and being saved, I realized, man, my... I actually care about people now. What's happening to me? It's not about me anymore. It's about Jesus, and it's about people. My whole orientation changed because I was born of God and came to know God experientially. That's a part of our relationship of abiding in Jesus. If you abide in me, Jesus says, I'll abide in you, and I will produce much fruit. But apart from me, I can do nothing. And as we have this abiding relationship with Jesus, because God is love and Jesus is love, our hearts will change and we'll start loving people. Now, does that mean we're not always, we're, we're always selfless and not selfish anymore? No, because we've got a flesh that wants to go back to the old life. But we, we should be people that are growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus, and we're starting to actually make our world not revolve around us, but around Christ and people. Amen? Amen? The great commandment we have, again, from Jesus, is love God and love people. Bottom line. And if we're born of God and we know of God, we're going to love God and we're going to love people. So the essence of who God is is what? God is love. Essence of who God is is love. Now let's go on. Verse 9. By this the love of God was manifested in us that God sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. Now notice this. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he what? Loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He used that same word back in First John chapter 2 also. So here's the second point about love. First point, essence of who God is is love. Second point, God showed his love through Jesus. And what he did and accomplished on the cross. Now I want you to see these verses again here. He's saying this. The love of God was manifested in us that Jesus became the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation, interesting word. It means satisfaction for God's righteous requirements. It's, it literally, propitiation can be translated the sacrifice for God's wrath that brought us who believe God's favor. Do you see that? I'll say it again. this The sacrifice for God's wrath that brought us us, God's people that believe in Christ, God's favor, propitiation, satisfaction. And that's why Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, paid in full, because he satisfied God's wrath and brought us God's favor through that sacrifice on the cross. And here's what he's saying here, in this point of God showed his love through the propitiation, the sacrifice of Jesus, what he's saying here is, hey, it's not that big a deal That we love God. Go back to the verses again. And this is love. Not that we love God. That's not that big a deal that we love God. God is easy to love. You know why? Because he's perfect. Because he created us. And he created us for his will to love him. And and, and he's never going to do us wrong. And this is love. Not Not that we love God. We should love God. We were created to love God. But here's the big deal. That God loved us. Instead of son, to be the sacrifice that we should have faced in regards to the wrath of God, so that we can now have the favor of God. And this is love—not that we love God. We should love God. It's just that's that's easy. God is very lovable, but we're another story. We are another story. That God loved us. That God loved me. I'm a knucklehead. I, I make mistakes all the time. I, do, I know the right thing to do, and I do the wrong thing, just like Paul says in Romans chapter 7, and that God still loves me and sent a son for me. And I'm convinced if, if it was just me, he would have still sent a son. And if it was just you, he would have still sent a son. And this is love, not that we love God. That's a gimme. What's the big deal? It's that God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for his sin. There's a Charles Spurgeon quote I read this uh, uh, this week. It was awesome on this. It's, it's, he says this, It is the greatest marvel that ever will be that he who is God over all stooped so low as this. I can understand his stooping to poverty and being a carpenter. I can understand his stooping to hunger and thirst. I can even understand his stooping to death, but that he should bear our sins. This is the greatest stoop of all. How must... How much the Lord Jesus have loved us that he did not disdain to bear even the enormous burden of our sin? Amen? Amen? Amazing love. How can it be that you, my king, would die for me? And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave his son to be the propitiation, the sacrifice For God's wrath so we might have the favor of God. That's why I love what we just did this morning. I love communion. Ever since I got saved 40 plus years ago, I love communion. And one of the reasons I love communion, because it reminds me in a sacramental way of this. That Jesus did that for me. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Amen? But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amazing love. It's incredible. So God showed his love. Demonstrates love. Now interesting when it says his love was made manifest. You know what that literally means in the Greek? It means his love was brought to light. The way God's love is brought to light is the cross. And if you ever doubt that God loves you, just go back to the cross. Again, that's why I love communion. It's a reminder. Do this in remembrance of me. And as we go back to the Lord's table, we remember. That God's love was made manifest. God's love was brought to light at the cross. And when you doubt that God really loves you and cares about you, just go back to the cross. Go back to what he did for you. Go back to the fact that he paid the price for your sins so that you could be in the favor of the grace of God. It's amazing. Let's go on with our scripture now. Verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also to what? We ought to... Love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. We have seen, the word seen again, and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Here's the third point. God can be seen in our love for one another. And the point he's making here, very good point, what he's saying here is no one has, has ever seen God. It says, it says no one has seen God at any time. And it's true. Going all the way back to Moses, remember Moses said to God, God, just, just show me your glory. Let me see you, God. And God says, "No, no, you can't handle that, Moses." That's John Hoppe's translation. But, but basically, he said, "Do this: go in the cleft of the rock, hide in this cleft of the rock, and when I come by, you could get some of the afterburn of my glory. You could, you could, you could experience some of my glory, but you can't see me because it'll destroy you because of my glory." And that's exactly what Moses did. And then after that, Moses came down, and he was so touched by God's glory, he had to wear a veil because it was shining like this because of God's glory. It just again the afterburn of God's glory. So we can't see God. Now, we, we do see God a little bit, though. Not a little bit, a lot. We see God, though, in a person. And who's that person? Right? In the beginning was the Word. The word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. That's John 1.14, he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. So so if you go back to Jesus and when Jesus walked the world, he said this to Philip. Philip, in seeing me, you're seeing, right? The Father. That's what he said, John 14.9. So in a sense, the way that God has seen is Jesus Christ. But here's the deal. Jesus Christ is in heaven now. I've gone to prepare a place for you. He's not here on earth anymore. So how do people see Jesus today? In our love for one another. That's why Jesus said this. He said, by this all men will know you are my disciples. By your love for one another. And the way people see Jesus today is through his body, 24 plus times in the New Testament, the church is called the body of Christ. That's who we are. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. And if people are going to see Jesus today, they're going to see Jesus today because they see it in our love for one another. By this, all men, again, will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. And the greatest way we're going to see God today, in the love That's in God's people because they are born of God and they know God. Romaine, some of you that have been around Calvary Chapel for a while will recognize that name. He was Pastor Chuck's right-hand man. He was a former drill instructor, Marine drill instructor. There's legendary stories about Romaine because Pastor Chuck was all full of grace all the time. If he was going to air, he's going to err on the side of grace. But but when there's confrontation, there's things that be dealt with with thousands of people at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa. Romaine was the man. He was he was the man. He would, he, his stories about him are just a legendary from what I've heard. He's with the Lord now. He's passed on along with Pastor Chuck's past too. But I, I remember they did a whole video on the history of Calvary Chapel. And it was called Venture of Faith. And they interviewed some of the main people that were part of the revival of Calvary Chapel, late 60s, early 70s. And when Romaine came on that video, I wanted to listen because he was front and center in the middle of that whole revival. And they asked him, well, what was, what was this like when 900 young people a month for three years were getting saved and baptized at Calvary Chapel Costa to May? said, what, what characterized this revival? Venture of Faith uh, video. He said, well, just in Romain's way, he's always to the point, really direct. He goes, well, worship was pretty good. He said all these young hippies just kept writing really good songs and we sang all these young hippie songs all the time and the worship was pretty good. I mean, it was good. He said, "Of course, a thing that characterized the whole thing too was just teaching." He said, "We got in the word together and Pastor Chuck would teach for 3-hour Bible studies on Sunday night and we would just there was a hunger for God's word and lives were being changed. Hippies were going from drugs to Jesus and conversions and that was all that was all a part of it. It was huge." But you know, he said that one of the main things that he saw in that whole revival, love. He said the thing that characterized more in my observation was there was a whole lot of love around here. He said that young people were who were disenfranchised from their families and runaway kids were taken in and they were loved people that, these hippies that weren't accepted by anybody else because their hair was too long, their clothes were too weird, and they didn't wear shoes, and they had really bad music, according to Romaine, they had really bad music. Actually, it depends on your preference, I guess. But he thought they were just rah, like this. He said they were unconditionally loved and accepted at Calvary Chapel, and their lives were changed. So said love. Love characterized what was going on here. God's love. And the love within the church was amazing, he said. The love. Lord, do it again. One more revival before we all get raptured. Amen? Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't it be cool if this was the epicenter for that? And you know what? What we're doing with our U-Turn for Christ and housing guys that are coming off the street and coming off of drugs and alcohol, that's a little bit of a part of our heritage. Right? It's love. Loving these guys and loving people. That need our help. Love. We are the body of Christ. We're the hands and the feet of Jesus. And if people are going to see God today, they're going to see it in our love for one another. Can Pastor John get an amen on that? Amen. Amen. Let's love one another. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who is born of God and knoweth God loves. For God is love. Amen. Let's go on now. It says, whoever confesses, verse 15, that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God, here it is, he's repeating again. God is what? God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. Notice this, this verse 18, very important. There is no fear in love. I love this verse. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Here's the next point on love. Very important, very important. God's perfect love casts out all fear. And what it's saying is that when you're abiding in God, God abides in you. It's reciprocal again. God wants to abide in you through the Holy Spirit, but he wants you to spend time with him abiding in him. And as you abide in him, he'll abide in you. And then what happens is his perfect love casts out all fear. Why? Because his perfect love gets the fear of punishment and judgment to go away. That's what he's saying right there. And that's the wonderful thing about coming to Christ, is you're no longer under the wrath and the judgment of God, you're under the favor and the grace of God, and that favor and grace of God casts out the fear of punishment or judgment because you know Jesus took the judgment for you on the cross. And when he said paid in full, guess what? It's paid in full. And so as you abide in Jesus, Jesus abides in you, and he takes away that fear Of punishment, because God's perfect love casts out all fear. A. W. Tozer, I was reading this week on this, and uh, he's one of my favorite authors. He was talking about that. The illustration he used for this is a mom, a mom who really loves her kid, and then when that mom loses their kid, say it's at a, a, you know, some event. You're going to some event. All of a sudden, your kid's lost. Say it's at a store, and all of a sudden your kid's lost at the store. And, 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 and what, what's going to happen to that little child? Say it's a preschool or whatever. If, if it's disenfranchised, lost in a situation like that, that kid's going to freak out, right? The kid's going to be going, whoa, like this, and just go, you know, just crying. Why? Because of fear. Because there's, it, it, mom's not there. Fear. But what happens then when that mom is brought back? And that kid is found. What happens to the kid's fear? It's gone. It's gone. Because mom is there. That spoke to me because I had a mom that was always there for me. I mean, she talked about maternal. My mom was maternal to the millionth degree. And I was doing stuff as a kid. I, I was, they knew me on a first-name basis in the emergency room in Cook County, Illinois. I got just about more stitches than any other, you know, elementary, junior high kid, kid in that uh, that area of Cook County, Illinois. But I was in the emergency room all the time because I, I just would do crazy stuff and jump off of things and garage roofs and everything else like that. And and but you know what? Whenever there was fear because I hurt myself again, mom would come to the rescue and she'd take me to the emergency room and as, as soon as I was in mom's presence taking care of me, guess what? Even though there's blood coming down my face from stitch, things that needed stitches, I, if mom was there, I was safe because mom was going to take care of me. That's, my mom, I've, I've never been loved, Just about talk about love, my mom's love was incredible. I just always felt love when I was in my mom's presence. That's what the point is right here. God's perfect love, when you have that abiding relationship with him, it'll take away the fear. You don't have to live in the fear anymore because you have a God that loves you so much paternally. He loves you. You're adopted in his family. He's going to take care of you. And that perfect love should cast out all fear. Again, I remember when I came to Christ, I was a (laughs) mess. was a mess. And I had what was called the heebie-jeebies. You know what the heebie-jeebies are? I remember sitting up, right before getting saved, I remember sitting up in my bed and having fear because because these Christians were witnessing to me. They were talking about heaven and hell, and I knew in my spirit I was not right with the holy God. And I remember sitting up saying, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm here for. I don't know what's going to happen to me if I, when I die, and I had the like this, sitting up at night. Remember that, as a 17-year-old. Oh, like this fear. And then I came to Christ. I got right with God. I trusted Jesus to be my Savior and to be my Lord. You know what happened to the fear? See you later, alligator. Fear is gone. Fear is gone. And I went from this place of just living in fear to this place of living in grace. And living in a place where the fear was just gone. Why? Because God became my strong tower. And it says right in Proverbs chapter eighteen ten, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it, and they, notice, and they are safe. God's perfect love casts out all fear. I like Romans eight fifteen. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading into fear again, but you received a spirit of adoption as, as sons by which we cry out what? Abba, Abba Father. And then 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Another version says sound mind. Another version says God has not given us a spirit not just of timidity, but God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. So the source for fear going away... Is that knowledge of God, that experiential, intimate relationship with God should cast the fear out of our lives because we're in the presence of our Father who loves us and will take care of us, and he'll make sure he's going to walk with us. No matter what life throws at us, he's going to walk with us through it. And Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you always, even to the, into the age. And that should cast out, that should help us with the fears. And I tell you, there's never been a time in my lifetime where our culture needs that message more than the, this time right now. I've never seen in my 59, 59 years of life, I've never seen so much fear in our culture, especially here in, the, here in the United States. It's amazing. And a lot of it, I'm just throwing my thing out here, a lot of it is the, the media has drummed up a lot of that fear. It, I don't watch the news anymore because the media the last year and a half has been, has been scaring people to death seriously. But you know what? The good news is God's perfect love as we abide in it can cast that fear away. And that's why we need to continue to just stay in God's presence, continue to grow in that grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, and continue to walk in faith, not in fear. Amen? Amen. Amen. And I tell you, the solution to the fear that's in our culture, the solution to the problems that are in our culture, the solution to the all the craziness of crisis in our culture. It's not a government. It's not a president. It's a person, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the solution. And our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, that's our solution for that perfect love taking our fears away. And, and listen, let's make a determination, even this this Sunday, let's make a determination, we're gonna walk in faith and not fear, and our solution for fear is just running to the Father as a strong tower, because that's our place of safety. Let's close up our scripture now. It says this, wonderful verses in closing. Verse 19, we love, very simple, we love because he, What? First loved us. You see that? How are we empowered to love? How, how do we have the capacity to love? Because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, John just, he, he must be the best friend of Jesus, because he doesn't mince words. He says, you, you're walking around, praise the Lord, I go to Calvary Chapel, praise the Lord, I love God, I, I, I love Jesus, but I'm going to hate you. He says, what are you? A you're a liar. <laughs> he must be 90 plus. You notice as people get older, they don't care what other people think. They're just going to tell you what they think. Yeah. He's in his 90s here. He's just letting it rip. He says, hey, you say you love Jesus, you love God, and you're hating your brother. You're a liar. Liar. Liar, liar, pants on fire. You're a liar. <laughs> For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him, from Jesus, that the one who loves God should what? Love his brother also. Here's the last principle. First principle, let's go back through them. The essence of who God is is love. God showed his love through Jesus, what he did on the cross. Number two, number three, God has seen, seen. We see God through our love for one another. Number four, God's perfect love casts all fear. Here's number five our source for love. It's only one source it's God. We love because he first loved us. So, question you need more love in your life, if you need more love for your spouse, you need more love for your kids, you need more love for those people you work with because those people you work with are driving you crazy, you need to be able to be empowered to love your spouse or your kids or the people you work with or the people that are lost out in the world. You need more power to love them. Where's that love going to be found? again, In an abiding, intimate, experiential knowledge and relationship with the God who is love. Love. The only way we're going to love the way we're called to love as Christians is to be connected to the God who is love because we love because He first loved us. The only way in our selfish, sinful, fleshly natures we can love the way we're supposed to love is to be sitting at the spout and letting the fountain of his love be poured into our lives. Romans 5 describes this, verse 5, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Hmm. Amazing. And what's interesting Is we're really going to have a love as we connect with the Father and have this abiding, experiential, intimate relationship. We're really going to have a love, not for all people, yes, but especially for God's people. You know why? Because we're all part of the same family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Galatians says, Love all people, but especially love the people of God's household. We're told that in Galatians chapter 6. And you know what happens when you really connect to the Father and have this abiding, born-again knowledge of God? You, you, God puts his heart in your heart, and his heart is his kids. And you're going to love his kids, other brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, it goes back to, by this, all men will know your disciples, by your, notice, your love for one another. My best friend from California, Mark Denning. Mark Denning was a single guy when he started coming to our church when we first started the church. Single for years. And um, what happened was Mark Denning became my best friend. He became like our home run hitter on our church softball team. I lifted weights with him. We played tennis. We did all kinds of stuff together. And we just connected because we were both in Southern California, but we were both from originally Chicago. The Bears. And we used to watch Bears games together. We just, we became best friends. And you know what, as we developed this close relationship, and still to this day, we're best friends. I talk to him every month. I'm working real hard at talking him to get out of those Chicago winters and move here to South Kakalaki. But pray for me for that. I got the hoppy press on him right now. I'm working on that. But when, you know what happened with Mark as we became best friends? We, Heidi and I started having kids. We had one kid, and then two kids, and then three kids. I mean, we bam, 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 Kids. And as we started having these kids, you know what happened? Mark became Uncle Mark. And I couldn't believe it. He loved our kids. I mean, he loved our kids to the point that when we were stressing out having three preschoolers within a few years, what he would do is he'd come with his little, he had this GT Mustang convertible, and he'd come with, he'd take our preschools, preschool kids, and he'd take them out and he'd get like double-sized ice cream cones. And he'd get ice cream all over his new Mustang because he loved our kids. And then Christmas would come along, and we were poor. I mean, we were starting a church from scratch, church planters, and and Christmas would come along, and some of the best presents our kids got was from Uncle Mark. He bought Nike gym shoes for our three-year-old. I'm going, this Dutch guy was saying, Mark, that ain't right. That ain't right. But he spoiled our kids. He loved our kids. And one of the reasons why is because he loves kids. But another reason why he loved our kids is because it was his best friend's kids. See the analogy? When we're related to God and we're born of God and we know God, we're going to love God's kids because those are God's kids. And we'll have a special love for them, for one another. Amen? Man. One of the greatest evidences that we're the church and we're being the church is our love for the world, but especially our love for one another. So what are the five things we learned about love this morning? Five truths about love. Number one, the essence of who God is, is love. Number two, God showed his love through Jesus and what he did on the cross. Number three, God is seen, seen visually seen through our love for one another. Number four, God's perfect love casts out what? All fear, not some, all fear. Number five, our source for, for love is God. We love because he first loved us. Hey, if you're here this morning and you never open your heart to God's love, if you're here this morning and you're just kind of coming, but you, you don't know for sure that there's a time in your life where you receive God's love through receiving Jesus, hey, make today be your day. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but we have eternal life. The Bible says, though, as many as received him, he gives the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. If you've never done that, if you were to die today and you don't know for certain that Jesus is in your heart, make today be your day. That's the most important decision you'll ever make, is just open your heart to God's love. Jesus says, Revelation 3.20, I stand at the door and knock. I knock and... At the door of your heart. If any man opens the door, what did Jesus say? I'll come in and I'll dine with him and he with me and I'll have a relationship with you. And you can't do what God's called you to do in loving people and being a person of love without Jesus being in your heart. It's impossible. If you need to do that this morning, make today be your day to receive Jesus and open your heart to God's love. I'll give you an opportunity in our prayer time. I'm not going to call you up front. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. And say, Pastor John, I want to receive God's love through receiving Jesus this morning. If you need to do that this morning, make, that your, make this your day. I made that decision 40 plus years ago. It's the best decision I've ever made to receive God's love through receiving Jesus. He loves you. He loves every single human being. No matter what you've done in your past, he loves you.